Hello, everybody. That's brilliant. Thanks very much. Um, Helen's going to be speaking to us. So um, when you get ready, uh, if you could face this way. She was going to come up and say something. Should we just pray? That'd be great. I can say something really nice now. Can't I? Lord, thank you for this special lady. <laughs> Lord, I pray you'd fill her with your spirit. And that we'd learn from you now, just as we've experienced your goodness and your kindness and your encouragement during the worship time. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us now as well as we look at your word. Bless Helen and fill her with your spirit, I pray. Amen. Okay. Could I have Alison? Alison? Is Richard coming as well? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be looking at Psalm 104 this morning. And it's difficult to kind of really look at this psalm without doing something a bit more audio-visual with it, a bit more dramatic with it, because it's quite a spectacular kind of psalm, really. So I've asked Alison and Richard to read it, and then we're going to watch um, a short video with a bit of music and a few visuals to kind of connect us in. Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment, The waters stood above the mountains, but at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, And bread that sustains his heart. The trees of the Lord are well watered. The cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nest. The stork has its home in the pine trees. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the rock badgers. The moon marks off the seasons. And the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night. And all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then man goes out to his work, to his labor until evening. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and the leviathan which you formed to frolic there. 
These all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. But when you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May the meditation, may my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. I think I've got the thumbs up. Yeah, I'm on, aren't I? Okay, the name of the song is Christmas Calls, Are You Listening? And that's what I've decided to, um, to call this talk this morning. Creation Calls, Are You Listening? And that was Psalm 140, oh, no it wasn't, it was Psalm 104 that we just read there. Another one of my very favourite psalms is Psalm 9. I'm just going to read a bit of this to you. The heavens claim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word that never heard. Or there is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Yet the message has gone throughout the earth in the words to all the world. In other words, creation is saying something continuously. Creation is saying something continuously. So just very, very simply this morning, I'm going to look at what is it saying? Are we listening? And how are we responding? So first of all, what is creation saying? Well, I think the first thing Huh? Okay, yeah. Creation is saying that God exists. Basically, evidence, there's enough evidence to prove it, and every person in every country at every time has heard it. Okay, we're swapping. Better. I think I prefer this anyway. Romans 1.20 says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. In other words, nobody can say, nobody told me, because creation is saying it. Creation is saying that God exists. As part of my job, I work with people from other countries. And um, this was a conversation I had about a year ago with one of my students. We were out walking around New College, actually, as part of a trip. She was an Albanian. And she said, do you know, this is what made me become a Christian. She was brought up in Albania under communist rule. And 
in the country at that time, nobody was allowed to talk about God. You couldn't have a conversation even in your own family without somebody knowing about it. You couldn't get hold of a Bible. Um, in fact, the, um, the philosophy was that there was no God, in fact. But she was an eight-year-old girl at the time. And she said, through her own observation of what she saw in the world, she came to the conclusion, when she was only eight, that God existed. So, what is creation saying? It's saying that God exists. Now, I'm not a scientist, so I don't have all those scientific questions that some people have. And I know that some people have thought about those scientific questions. And if you're one of those kinds of people who want to believe in God, but the the science bit is a problem to you, there are people who can help you with that, because there are scientists here, but I'm not one of them, okay? (laughs) Steve, for example, would probably have thought through that kind of thing a bit more than me. (laughs) Okay, what else... What else is creation saying? Creation is saying that God is awesome. Um, I was listening to a talk uh, a couple of years back at a conference that I was at, and a man called Mark Green said this, we're living in the age of anxiety. And as human beings, there's certain things that we need. And he gave a list of things, and I was quite surprised with the things he put on the list. He says, as human beings, we need adventure. As human beings, we need authenticity. We need agape, he meant love, and we need awe. And this is something that creation is saying about God. God is awesome, and we need that bit in our lives. It's something we need as human beings to put ourselves out there in the world and allow that awesomeness to touch us. Um, In his book, The Pleasures of God, John Piper says this, one of the tragedies of growing up is that we get used to things. There is immense loss when we get used to the redness of the, the rising sun and the roundness of the moon and the whiteness of the snow, the wetness of the rain, the blueness of the sky. It's something that our soul needs out there in creation, something of God's awe to touch us. Um, The third thing that creation is saying is that God is good. So, okay, God exists, God is awesome, but does he actually care about me? (laughs) Is he interested in me? Does it have anything to say about me personally? And that's the point that I came to in my life, that I'd come to the conclusion that God probably existed and that I would quite like to know him, but I was not convinced that he was interested in me or that he knew who I was, that he knew my name, that he knew anything about me. And if we look at this psalm, it's very clear that that's not true, that that, that God is good and God cares about me. Um... So if we have a look at this psalm, we can see how it says that God cares for the animals, for the plants. And Jesus picks up the same theme, doesn't he? He says, look at the flowers. 
Look at the birds. God knows when one of those birds falls to the ground. And the implication is, won't he care for you even much more than he cares for them? God will provide for us as well. In this psalm, we get phrases like, he makes springs pour, he waters the mountains, he makes grass grow. God is the one that cares for us and provides for us. And God is dependable. It talks about God setting boundaries in creation that can't be crossed. And isn't it nice to know that we're not suddenly going to find that God's decided to change the longest day or the shortest day or mix up the seasons or do something really strange and pull a fast one on us and do something unpredictable. And this is the question, can we trust God? Can we trust God? Trust is a big issue, isn't it, for some people? And this is saying, yes, God's got it all in hand and it's not all going to fall apart. Okay, so creation is saying something, but the question is, are we listening? (laughs) Or are we too busy? Are we too preoccupied? Are we too focused on something else to be listening? What does it mean to be listening? This is just a very quick point before we go on to the responding. Sometimes listening means stopping. Sometimes listening means changing our habits, changing our lifestyle, changing our thinking, changing our direction. And um, I was out once with my mum. We were out uh, up in the peaks. And we'd been very focused on following the route, because I was doing the map reading, I had to make sure we didn't get lost. We were taking the right footpaths, we were walking in the right direction, and we were kind of enjoying it. But I got to a point and I said, don't you think we ought to just stop and listen and see what we can hear? (laughs) We're just so preoccupied in kind of getting this walk right. So we sat down and I said, don't say anything to me, I'm not going to say anything to you. (laughs) And it took a while for us to actually stop and listen and the thing that we could hear was the sound of sheep munching grass that was the sound that we heard so the question is God is speaking to us God's speaking to you but are we listening are we stopping enough to listen are we interested in listening okay so God is speaking through creation, several things. Are we listening and how are we responding? This psalm teaches us that everything that we have comes from God. So what should our response be? Well, I think the first response should be thankfulness. Thankfulness is actually good for us. Complaining is easy. Thankfulness takes a bit more effort. It's interesting that I came across this article um, in the newspaper a a few months ago. Um, And the title is, Britain's Becoming Increasingly Miserable. (laughs) And experts, who these experts are, I'm not sure, but there are always experts around to tell you about things, isn't there? Experts warn that unless we undergo a radical culture change, Britain will slide into unprecedented depths of despair. I won't go on. Well, 
you might be pleased to know that there's a mass movement called Action for Happiness <laughs> who's in the business of promoting mental well-being. And actually, in some schools, I don't know whether teachers know anything about this, some teachers have been pioneering well-being lessons. No? No glimmers of recognition from any teachers? I don't know. Not in your maths class, then. And anyway, they've drawn up a list of ten things that we should be doing. Ten secrets of a happy life. And you'll be surprised how many of these things they could have picked out of the Bible and the principles that we believe in. For example, giving, top of the list. Relating. Being part of something bigger. How much of it sounds like church? <laughs> Exercising. We all know about that, don't we? Um, But one of the things on the list is appreciating. And their tip is notice the world around. Take time to appreciate wildlife in your area. Very simple bit of advice there. But actually thanking. How often in each day do we thank God for all these amazing things that we can see, that we experience, that we start maybe not observing, not appreciating, not um, whatever. And this is something I felt, not particularly that the psalm is saying this at all, but this is something I felt God put into my mind about this, this whole issue, is that there's something about thanking God and appreciating what he's given us in creation that will bring sanity to our mind and comfort to our soul. And it's interesting that what Mark Green was talking about in that we're living in a world of anxiety. And this article talking about Britons being under pressure through unhappiness in various ways. And sanity... And comfort. These were the two words I felt God was bringing to me this morning. And I was reminded of uh, a story that I read. Some of you may remember this. This is something that happened several years ago. A journalist called John McCarthy was taken hostage in Lebanon. Who remembers this story? Has anyone read the book, Some Other Rainbow? There was a whole series of books that came out. All the captors, one by one, wrote their own story. And Terry Waite wrote one, and Brian Keenan wrote another one. Well, I read... Who's read John McCarthy's book? Okay. I quite like knowing how people survive in extreme circumstances. I don't know. It's a bit of a strange, strange trait. And even though, actually, he wasn't a believer, he did have a remarkable experience of God... In, in the cell where he was captive. Um, and it was through reading the Psalms, interestingly enough. But it wasn't that that I wanted to mention this morning. It's what happened to him after he'd been released. Because we often think about how to survive when the odds are down against us in that way. But when you get out, <laughs> there is a whole other battle to, to be fought. Um, and actually, he, he found himself being faced with these panic attacks Whenever he heard the kind of ripping of tape, <laughs> it reminded him of being taped up and things like that. And to bring sanity 
and to keep himself sane um, and to stop going off on one of these panic attacks, he used to sit there and watch the birds. He just used to sit by the window, focus on these little birds doing their thing. You know how they do. They come into the garden. They know, you know, it's very, very simple. Just, you know, pick around at the breadcrumbs. They fly off. And somehow there was something about the simplicity of that act and what God's put in creation for us that calmed him down and helped him to keep his mind, basically, at that point. So there's something about appreciating creation, what God's done. There's something about thanking God that keeps us sane (laughs) Um, in mind and in soul. I believe that. Then there's something else. There's something about actually turning to the creator. Because I don't know if you've ever read these books. I like these books where people go and explore interesting places. Somebody who went off to Nepal. And when she was faced with the Himalayas, she was so awestruck by it, she didn't know what to do. So she basically ended up getting down and doing some kind of worship to something (laughs) she didn't believe in God but there was something about these mountains that ended up her thanking creation for creation (laughs) and the thing is creation is speaking about a creator it's not just a message about itself Um, and so as much as we love all of this and we can absorb it into our soul, we're not going to be totally satisfied with it because satisfaction comes from meeting the creator and knowing the creator because it all speaks about him. And the, the amazing thing is that the God who made all of this knows me and cares about me and I can know him. That is the amazing thing. So one last quote here. A billion galaxies will not satisfy the human soul. God and God alone is the soul's end. So I'm just going to finish here by reminding us that creation is saying something. It's saying something about who God is, how he feels about us, how he's trustworthy, how he cares for us. How he's dependable, he's not going to pull a fast one on us or spring some nasty surprise on us. But we need to be listening and there is a response to make. So creation's saying something. What are we saying? What are we saying and how are we responding? Here's a few things that we might be saying. I don't believe in you, but I'd like to. That could be you. I believe you exist but I'm not sure that you really care about me personally. Or I'm not sure that I can trust you. I need to trust you more. Or I need to be more grateful. Or my mind is troubled and I need to know peace. You might not be saying anything apart from just a sense of gratitude to God and appreciation of him. But it'd be quite good to respond in whatever way you feel and maybe some of those questions some of those responses are in your mind and we'll just have a little time of
Yeah, thank you, Lord. Let's just uh, quieten our hearts and uh, see what um, see what God's put on our hearts. Do we need to be more thankful? Do we need to respond positively to Him? Do we need to come and ask Him if we could know Him better? Father, we thank you that not only do you know us and that you care about us, but that you want to make yourself real in our lives. That you want to deliver us from the things that are holding us down and oppressing us. You care so much that you came in the person of your son, Lord God, and you died for us that we might know you. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've given us a place, but Lord, we want to pray that you'd help us to respond to you now.